Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. is understanding what we are giving God praise about. 
And the author said of that song that no fire can burn me and no battle can turn me and no mountain can stop me because you hold my hand. Do you get the gist of this is that nothing can destroy me because it's the Lord who holds my hand. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we bless your name. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for your faithfulness, your provisions, your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, O God, that you give us chances over and over and over and over again. And we thank you, God, that and yet sometimes when we are disobedient, that you continue to love us and bless us. So right now we pause to praise your name, to give you thanks to give you honor, and to give you glory. And I pray, dear God, that this word will penetrate the hearts of your people and that transformation will take place in this house right now in the name of Jesus. We declare, dear God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and we will worship you in spirit and in truth. We will worship you whether we feel like it or not. We will worship you because you are such an awesome God. And we ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And the church said, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. I have been blessed through the study of this word. I have been blessed to go back to the book of Exodus, to look at the temperament of the people and their response to God's goodness. And if you really want to see yourself in the Bible, go back and read about the people in Exodus, about the stiff-necked, dishonest, disobedient Israelites that kept disobeying God over and over and over again. But Bacon, the Lord kept coming back to them and reminding them that I am filled with loving kindness. I am a gracious God, and I am a God of mercy. Aren't you glad that God is forgiving over and over and over again? And as I was reading the book of Exodus, I kept admiring Moses. I wouldn't want that job. Can you imagine having a group of people that celebrated disobedience, a group of people who loved doing the opposite of what God said they should do? And if the truth be told, some of us have that same spirit. If the Lord says go right, we go left. If the Lord says stand up, we sit down. If the Lord says no, you can't have any of that, you have two slices instead of one. And so what we learn about human nature is that we are always defying God and we have a tendency to never go back and repent. But today I want to define covenant for you because we are in covenant relationship with God, which means it's not about me and it's not about how you feel. It's about your relationship with God. That's why when people come and join the church, we ask them, do you agree? to be obedient, and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And many a time before the person ever gets through the orientation, 
They've already forgotten about the commitment. But a covenant is between two people, and it means that there are two people who are committed to this relationship. I thought about all of the marriages that I have performed. Have you ever thought about what you really say when you get to the altar? Have you ever let the word just kind of drift in your mind for a while that I will trust you and honor you, I will laugh with you, I will cry with you, I would love you faithfully through the best and the worst, through the difficult and the easy, whatever may come, I'm always there for you. And many times before the reception is over, we have already moved on to something else. I thought about my Deacon Jay. And I was looking at the vows, and I said, do you, Jay, take class role to be your wife? Do you promise to love and honor and cherish and protect her, forsaking all others and holding only unto her forever? He said, I do. And then the minister asked me the same question, Deacon Shireen, and guess what? I said, I do. And I'm reminding you that a covenant is a promise between two people that should never be broken. That means that when I stand before God to say, these are the things that I will do, we are accountable to God for what we do. When we stand before God and we make promises, they should not be empty promises. And our lives should be directed about the covenant relationship that we have with God. We don't serve because we want to please you. We serve because we want to please Almighty God. And then the difference in a covenant and a promise is that a promise is usually a one-way street. Honey, I promise you I'll be home by five. The other person is just waiting for you to fulfill your promise. But how many of us make promises with no intentions of ever fulfilling our promises? Lord, if you let me out of this mess this time. I will never do it again. Can I get a witness? Lord, if you just let me get through this storm, I will never do it again. And before the tears dry up, we have moved on to something else, forgetting to give God all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. Church, it's time for us to honor God. It's time for us to honor our covenant it's time for us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to see in us what God sees. And it's time for us to be the people of God. It's time for us to bear witness to a dark world that God knows your name and God knows my name. And because God knows you, God will deliver you. Somebody said to me, where you been? I said, I've been talking to God. I have discovered that sometimes you have to be still and just talk to God. And although I have a lot of people around me who think they know what's best for me, I realize that only God knows me. I realize that only God knows what's going on in me, and God is the one who has to minister to me. So if you need a blessing today, spend some time with God. Turn the television off. Stop listening to your music. Don't do TikTok and up rock and all of that. All you need to go in and close the door with God. And all you really need to say is that, Lord, I need to hear from you. And if you stay there long enough, I guarantee you that you will hear from God. In our text today, I love what Jesus did. I want you to watch the behavior of Jesus. 
And I want you to evaluate yourself in response to Jesus. The word says that, this is in John chapter 9, I'll read verse number 1 and then verse number 7. And Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And you know how that spoke to me? I realized that just because we physically see does not mean that we spiritually see. And what caught my attention as Jesus passed by, he saw. How many of you never see the person next to you? How many of us never see the person who is sitting right beside us? And Jesus, as a component of his ministry, stopped to see what the man was in need of. Is that your pattern? Do you stop to see what a person might be in need of? And in verse number 7, the word says that he said unto them, to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, means I want you to go and I want you to wash and I want you to follow through. That would have been a challenge for many of us. Jesus said, go and wash. Danny, would you have been willing to go and just wash because Jesus said so? And the word says he went. He washed, and he came back seeing. Obedience. Obedience. Obedience is an active response to faith. It's time for us to understand that obedience is a part of the journey with our God. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has a lot to say about obedience. In the story of the Ten Commandments, we see just how important the concept of obedience is to God. Read Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 to 28. Disobey and you will be cursed. In the New Testament, we learn through the example of Jesus Christ that believers are called to a life of obedience. Believers are called to a life of obedience. The general concept of obedience both in the Old and New Testament relates to hearing and it also uh, relates to trusting and doing what God instructs us to do. One of the Greek terms for obedience in the Bible conveys the idea of positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and command. Whether you like it or not, God has authority over our lives and what we do and how we live. According to the Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, a succinct distinction of biblical obedience is to hear God's word and to act accordingly. Can I get a witness of anyone in the house who has heard God's word and you're carrying it out based on God's, God's commandments and God's covenant? I don't know about you, but that's a hard assignment. And all of us can't say that, not carry it out based on how you feel or what you think, but carry it out according to God's holy word. And if many of us would spend a little bit more time in the word, we would understand the power of obedience. Edelman's Bible Dictionary states that true hearing or obedience involves a physical hearing that inspires the hearer and to believe and trust and turn their motives to the hearer or to act accordance with the word. What about this? Let's see, I want everybody to just stand up and I want you to just clap for a minute. Act of obedience. Act of obedience. Act of obedience. Act of obedience. 
Jesus calls us to be obedient. And Jesus said that if you love me, if you love me, you ever had that used on you? If you love me, you'll cook me my great northern beans. If you love me, you'll buy the new outfit that I want. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So your love for Jesus is expressed through your behavior and your obedience. How can you not love somebody and say that you love Jesus? It just doesn't work that way. Number two, obedience is an act of worship. And while the Bible places a strong emphasis on obedience, it's critical to remember that believers are not justified or made righteous by coming to the Lord. Salvation is free. Obedience is a requirement that flows from a heart of gratitude for the grace we have received from the Lord. If you ever want to get beyond yourself, do something for somebody else in the name of Jesus. If you ever, if you ever want to change your attitude, do something for somebody else in the name of Jesus. And I have discovered is that obedience takes you to a place of serenity. You don't have to go to Hawaii. You do not have to go to the beach necessarily. You don't have to go anywhere. But when you are obedient, God will give you such peace that you can live where you are. God will give you such peace that you can overcome. The word says that God rewards obedience over and over again. We read that in the Bible. And through our descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This goes back to Genesis. So over and over and over and over again, God keeps reminding us that I reward obedience. And if we are disobedient, that we will be punished and held accountable by God. Man, I tell you, that's a toughie. Ever been punished by God? God ever called you out? God ever called you back to say, oh, yeah, you're guilty. God ever said, I told you not to do that anymore. And you agreed that you wouldn't. And here you are again. We cannot have a relationship with God until we are serious about being what God has called us to be. It's interesting, but sometimes obedience is better. The Bible says that, not sometimes, but obedience is better than sacrifice. Some of us believe that if we do and do a few sacrifices, and we go and do a couple of things, then God is pleased, and we can have our own way. No, that's not the way the world operates. Because when God was talking to Samuel, he said the law requires the Israel people to offer sacrifices, but those sacrifices and offerings were never intended to take the place of obedience. Your offering does not take the place of obedience. Your service on the praise team does not take the place of obedience. Your being a deacon in the house or an usher in the house, whatever it is, it does not take the place of obedience. You might sacrifice your time, but the Lord requires obedience in everything. Thing that we do. Someone asked me the other day, they say, how long you been married? I said, almost 45 years. They said, how do you stay married that long? I say, it's listening to God and learn how to be quiet. <laughs> you got to listen to God and you got to learn how to be quiet. Because if you are obedient to God, you will stay in the relationship. If you respond on a human level, you are out on the street all by yourself. And so we have to understand how God operates. How does life operate? I can't tell Deacon Jay everything I think. Do you think? No, 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 no. God is the only one I can tell everything that I really think. Oh, I wish I had a witness. I wish I had a witness. 
You can't say everything you think. You can't tell me your opinion about everything. But I can go in my prayer closet, and I can tell God exactly how I feel, and I can bear witness that, God, you know what I'm thinking. Lord, you know my heart. Lord, you know my ups and downs. I need you to fix it, Lord. And what I have discovered, that the Lord will fix it. But if you fix it, you go into divorce court. You cannot fix it all by yourself. There are some things that only God can fix. And if you're going to marry and be in covenant with God, then you got to obey God. And the second part of this is that you can't be married without God. Every date, you got to have God. Every meal, you got to have God. You see, we don't always reap the benefits of being a child of God because we don't take advantage of the benefits that God has given. So whatever I want from Deacon Jay, I just talk to God. Whatever I want from people, I don't call you, I just talk to God. Whatever I want from Pleasant Grove or what I want the church to be, I talk to God. Because if I come to you, I'll get a personal opinion. But if I talk to Almighty God, I get a heavenly vision. And the church becomes what God wants it to be. There were three things about Jesus that I found very interesting. That Jesus looked for opportunities, Reverend Bill, to heal and minister wherever he was. That's why no matter where I am, whether it's the Harris Teeter, the Dollar Tree, or a restaurant, or a shop, I am always putting God in the mix. How are you today? In the name of Jesus. Oh, you know Jesus? Yes, met him a few years ago. How are you? In the name of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus was clear about his mission. Don't get confused. You can't be everybody else. You got to know what God has called you to do. You got to know what God has called you to be. You can't be the pastor because somebody told you you look like a pastor. You can't be a mother because God told you that you look like you could do a good job. You got to get in the God's lane and do what God gives you instruction to do. Because once we're clear on our mission, we don't cause any confusion anywhere we go. Jesus transformed misery into miracles. I said Jesus transforms miracles, mis misery into miracles. Can I get a witness? Have you ever been? I, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot, a lot of practice with this one. And I go, Lord, I need you to move in the right direction. I need you to fix my circumstances. And the word says that Jesus fixed this man's circumstances. And some find Jesus guilty of sin, but others believe in his works and believe in his words, asking, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? There will always be Jews, Sister Emma, around you who remind you of what you shouldn't do, what you shouldn't say, what the law said. But by now, we ought to be experiencing the law of the New Testament, which was love that delivered us in the name of Jesus. So some of us need to stop being like the Jewish community and so legalistic. We need to help people by showing them human compassion and helping them to see just because you messed up one time doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. We need to find a level of compassion that Jesus did. It said, and Jesus saw him saw him. Did you see Kelly this morning? Did you see her lipstick? Did she have any on? Did she have ear bobs on? What color was her hair? Did you see Connie when she came in? Deacon Gino, did you see 
Sister uh, Sandra, when she came in, see, seeing means I take the time to absorb you and what's going on within you. And the word said is that he saw him. Do you see an opportunity to be obedient to God's word? Do you see an opportunity to be act to activate your faith? On my way to church this morning, I saw trees in bloom. I saw the vibrant colors in the crepe myrtles. And I don't know, it's something different this season about the crepe myrtles. I don't know if it's because I'm older. I don't know what it is, that fertilizer. I don't know if it's a lack of rain. I don't know. But the colors just pop out to me. But maybe I'm just beginning to see them, Judge Julie, for the first time. Maybe I'm just taking the time to absorb their beauty, and I realize this blessing. I saw lawns with weeds. I saw dead grass. I saw new construction. I saw people on bikes holding up traffic. I saw some churches with two or three cars. I saw robins perched under the tree in my yard. And right now, I see the body of Christ. I'm looking at you, saying that you have an opportunity to serve God in obedience and in truth. And Jesus passed by. He saw this man. How many times do you pass by, Hetty Mae, and you never say, you know, I love you? I love you because of who you are and what you do for me. I love you because of the way you carry yourself as a woman of God. I love you because I see you. The meaning of saw, which is past tense of see, to perceive by the eye, to have experience, to undergo, to come to know, to be the setting of the time. The last 50 years have been a sweeping revolution in science. Barry Commoner said, we must see with our physical eyes and with our spiritual eyes. But I also found another fascinating point, Reverend Marlin, of this story, is that the man was willing to follow the instructions of Jesus without asking him a whole lot of questions. And I put myself in that situation. I said, Lord, if you said, saw me and you told me to go and watch. First of all, how many of us would have a problem with Jesus putting the clay in our eyes? How many of us would have a problem saying, you know, my eyes are very sensitive, Lord, and I can't have any dirt in them? Some of us are so busy telling the Lord what the Lord can't do that we can't receive the blessing that the Lord, oh, you ought to say amen. How many of us would have been saying, I don't know, that clay has been down there and it's dirty, and now you're going to put it in my eyes. And you believe me that I can go and wash and pull us along, and that I'm going to see. What happens here is that the man shows us that every time you get mud in your eyes, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And what I learned from this, uh, Alyssa, is that every now and then we got to name the mud in our eyes. And we got to realize is that Jesus is about to bring you through. Right now, some of us have mud in our eyes because we have the mud of isolation. We have the mud of loneliness. We have the mud of debt. We have the mud of uncertainty about the future. We have the mud of anger. We have the mud of doubt. We have the mud of guilt. And what I'm saying to you is that every time mud is in your eyes, it's not necessarily a bad thing because deliverance came after the mud. Hallelujah. So I don't know what you're going to name your mud, but I know sometimes you get mud of trouble, sickness, Body racked with pain, cancer, eviction notices, poor health, family trouble, 
your job, your supervisor's crazy, you're worn out, you don't think you can go another day. And then you realize that every situation works for the good for those who love the Lord. And that we have to understand is just because I have mud in my eyes, you don't have the right to condemn me because you don't know what God is going to do on the other side of the mud. And there are times when we come with the mud and we don't need anybody to tell us that we have mud in our eyes. We need somebody to pray and lift us up to say, you're going to be delivered in the name of Jesus. How many of us are still sitting with the mud in our eyes because the Lord said, go, go, and we haven't gone yet? How many of us are still waiting on greater instruction? Jesus said, go, go. Jesus says, wash, wash. You want to be liberated on this day? Do whatever it is the Lord has told you to do. But I find this man also interesting because when he came back, he was seeing. And the people wanted to know how it happened. Once God delivers you, Dr. Lachelle, you don't have to worry about trying to explain to the people what God did. All I know is that I was blind, but now I see. All I know is that I was totally worthless, and now I'm trying to live for God. All I know is I was in the wrong places, doing the wrong things with the wrong people. But because God is God, the mud has been washed from my eyes. All I know, all I know is that I have been delivered by the power of God. All I know is that once I was blind, but now I see because God is an awesome God. All I know is that Jesus can do anything, and with Jesus, all things are possible. All I know is that if you're willing to go and wash, you will see again in the name of Jesus. We all need to know that mud is not the end. But through your mud, there is deliverance. There's the mud of grief. There's the mud of mourning. There's the mud of losing a loved one. There's, there's the mud of not being all you want to be. There's, there's, there's the mud of having broken relationships that you don't know how to fix. I'm here to tell you that they can be fixed in the name of Jesus. When as the people of God, we take the time to look at each other the way Jesus saw this man. I want you to look at somebody you haven't seen today. And I want you to go look at them and see them as Jesus would see them. Because that's when we begin to minister when we take time to see. If you don't know me, there's nothing much you can do for me. You don't have to know the mud in my eyes to pray for me, Pastor Joseph. You don't have to know what it is that is bogging me down. But what you do know is enough to call on the name of Jesus. Is that mud in your eyes right now? Hmm? That's a good thing. Is that mud in your eyes? If so, I'm here to tell you that we have a Savior. And he'll tell you exactly where you need to go to be fixed. He'll tell you exactly where you need to go to get deliverance so that you can be all that you can be. Jesus said unto him, go and wash. And he responded in obedience. Therefore, he was healed. Is that your testimony? Are you still waiting till you get the right call? Are you still waiting to serve God until you are affirmed by the people? Are you still waiting to do what God has told you to do because you have some other insignificant things to do?
Are you still waiting before you go because you want to get your house in order? Are you still waiting before you go because you want to get your husband and your wife straight? Are you still waiting to go because you have a few ungodly assignments to handle in the name of Jesus? Are you refusing to go because you're still trying to fix a dysfunctional family after 40, 50 years and you haven't fixed them yet? Are you still waiting to go because you just don't want to go and that you're being disobedient to Almighty God? When irritations come, it's not for me to despise them or resent them, Jesus said. Rather, it is an opportunity for me to embrace while making my way to be the Savior I was called to be. The man's obedience led to his sight. The Lord has promised in his word, if you obey me, you will be delivered. If you listen to my voice, I will speak to you. And you will live according to my word in obedience. Anybody here want to be obedient? Anybody here want to be obedient? Anybody? How many of you have tried to be obedient but you fail? How many are willing to say in the Lord's house, I tried that, but that didn't work for me? How many of you are willing to say, Lord, I need you to teach me how to be obedient? Because I have a contrary spirit. You ever notice babies? They learn to say no long before yes. Have you ever observed the behavior of a baby? You say, okay, now don't throw that down. Whoop! Have you ever noticed how defiant children are? You go, where did they get that? James Barbie, it's their DNA. They're human. I don't want you to wear that. Take it off. Oh, no, I'm going to wear it anyway. They have a defiant spirit. But our God can fix your attitude. Our God can give you a desire for obedience. Our God can put out, wash your face and make it all clean and you will be everything you need to be. So on this day, I challenge you to be obedient to God. Go wherever God tells you to go. And whatever God tells you to do once you get there. If God tells you to sing, sing. Like I'm going to ask you right now, be obedient, please, and let's sing. So if God tells you to sing, can you sing? If God says jump, can you jump? If God says get up and shout, can you shout? If God says be quiet, can you be quiet? I want you to consider obedience today in the name of Jesus so that the mud on your face will be removed by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.